Welcome to Dudes of Hazards Radio. I'm your founder and host, Donnie McCarty. On today's episode, we have one of our league members, Mike Mattis, coming to join us for our 19th episode. Mike, why don't you go ahead and uh, say hey to the dudes? What's going on, dudes? Mike, glad you're on. Um, I think this is going to be really fun. I've been looking forward uh, to this. I know we've both been pretty busy the last little stretch trying to line something up, so nice to be in here. What are you, uh, what are you kind of thinking before this? Uh, I'm thinking it's my first time ever being a, a guest in studio on a podcast, so yeah. excited to be here and talk a little golf with you. Absolutely. Uh, we're drinking a little beer today called the Einstock, and it's their, I think, their Arctic Pale Ale. What are you, what are you rating this today? Uh, rating it, I would probably put it at a 7 or 8 out of 10. Um, for a while there, I was into these kind of like Pale Ale IPA type beers, but found that the hangovers were getting a little too brutal, stomach getting a little full, but... Yep. About halfway into this one, it's a little lighter on the palate, and yeah, I think it'll be a good one to drink on the golf course. Absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of this one. I actually tried it out a couple episodes ago, and uh, we usually always try to pick a new one, but I've gotten a little lazy two of our last three episodes and just brought this in. So Yeah, why not? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's it, man. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our podcast rundown, tell you guys what we're going to be talking about today, and we'll get this show on the road. First thing we're going to do after we get through our rundown is we're going to meet Mike, get to know a little bit about him. He's going to tell us a little backstory and just some of his personal life so you guys have a little idea on him. After that, we're going to go ahead and jump into the main interview with Mike. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're going to close it up with some hazards time. And Ian Heron is actually going to call in for that and ask us some questions. Um, we kind of did this for Zach Hudson, um, called in for me and Justin Fawn. And then Brad Nagley did this uh, for the more most recent episode. So I think this is kind of a cool little trend we got going, and we'll see where it uh, takes us. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, dive into our first segment on the podcast, and we're going to get to meet Mike a little bit. So, Mike, why don't you kind of take over and just tell the dudes a little bit about your backstory, any fun golf facts you have, uh, married, girlfriend, dogs, any of that sort of stuff. Sure. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm originally from Marietta, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta, just north of Atlanta down there. Um, grew up, you know, kindergarten through senior year of high school there, then went to school at uh, Georgia Southern um, down in Statesboro, Georgia. For those of you that don't know, it's about 45 minutes inland from Savannah, so kind of close to the coast of Georgia down there. Nice. Um, after college, um, graduated in 2014, moved to Macon, Georgia, which is the dead center of Georgia. I mean, they call it Central Georgia. And if you put your finger on the middle of a map, you're going to be on Macon. You're going to be on Macon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then I, I lived in Macon for three and a half, four years. Um, had a membership through Club Corps there. Um, so I had a, technically Healy Point was my home course, but there were two courses included on that membership. So I had Healy Point and River Forest um, included there. So over those three years, I played a lot of golf out there. Um, in 2018, um, work brought me up to Indianapolis, Indiana. So I was there from May of 2018 until March of this year. So very recently moved to Eastern Tennessee. So um, played a little golf everywhere. Um, played in high school, kind of like my, you know, like some people play basketball, some people play football, some people play yep. baseball growing up. You know, a lot of people I feel like find golf in their adult life. I was fortunate enough to find it in my youth. So. Yeah, lucky for you. Yeah. Um, but yes, I've been playing golf um, the whole time throughout my high school career, played for my high school. Um, when I was in Indianapolis, I met my girlfriend, Jenna. Um, she was kind of the reason that we ended up moving down to Eastern Tennessee. Um, at the time we met, we were both in the corporate world. Um, but she was a very high level lacrosse player in her youth and yeah. played division one in college. So, um, decided to pursue her passion job. So she was offered the head women's lacrosse coach at Tusculum university over in uh, Greenville. So that's too cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. So we decided to take the leap and come down here. So, um, if anyone wants to support, they have a fundraiser going on right now. So support Tusculum women's lacrosse. But, well, there we go. Nice little plug. Yeah. Um, so you said you played in high school. Um, pretty good? Not – I don't want to say I was bad. I was kind of like middle of the road. Okay. Um, so I kind of grew up in like North Atlanta. Um, a lot of good golf courses, a lot of good golfers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in any given tournament, the top six players would play, and I kind of hovered in that like five to eight ranking on the team. So I okay. wasn't a yeah. – I wasn't a week-in, week-out player, but – but you're still getting your fair share of shots at it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what did you shoot back in the day in high school? Honestly, probably worse than I do now. 
Um, I was kind of like low 40s, low mid 40s, maybe touch the 30s. I guess I'm speaking from more of a nine hole perspective because high school matches are are nine hole matches. And then there were like 18 hole tournaments too. That would be on weekends. But the bulk of what we played would be like, I mean, it was cool. We got to get off of school a little early, like one, two o'clock in the afternoon. So don't don't hate that. But um, yeah, like our ranking and scores were kind of mostly based off of nine hole play, not 18 hole play. Gotcha. Um, what's a fun little golf fact about you? What's something that you, that maybe not everyone knows about you in the league or, or maybe the league members know, but you want to share with, uh, our audience. Something that no one knows, not no one knows, but, um, I don't know. I feel like, I guess something maybe like a fun fact about me when it comes to golf is that like, I don't really, well, I guess I probably should be more prepared for this one, but, uh, it's a tough know, I guess, one to be thrown yeah, on the spot is. on. It is. I guess maybe something that I don't know if no one knows, but maybe people haven't observed is like my scores are better than my short game is. I feel like I truly have like a terrible, terrible short game. Like I went out the other weekend and I last weekend with uh actually with Brad and Ian and one of Brad's buddies and had forty putts. Wow. So my uh my short game's pretty abysmal. Okay. Uh yeah, I, I mean, I've watched you tee off. It's it, that that's not where you're losing too many strokes at. No, that's not, uh, that's not where that, I lose. That's them. not where he's losing the strokes. Um, and I mean, hell, if I remember that one day we were playing at Warriors, uh, you could have fooled me on the short game comment there because uh, that <laughs> we were we were playing a little. Uh, I think it was match play that day. Is that what we were, yeah, we were doing? Yeah. And uh, I can't tell you how many times me and Jacob, I felt like we had you. And then, like, boom, 28-footer, the save par. And it's like, okay, yeah. this this is starting to get a little old here. I know on the one especially was that par three, probably number, like, 14 or something on the back. And, like, we were on the green. Oh, yeah. Two-putted for par. You guys were way off. Back and left. left. Was, yeah, back left, which you can't be there. <laughs> no, and then with left yourself with, honestly, an impossible putt to make. And they made it. And I was like, yeah. okay, this Jacob was like, this just isn't our day. Oh, I'm like, nothing. it's not. Yeah, no. Like when these are going in and you're getting up and down from back there. Uh, yeah, no, I that was a that day was an aberration for sure. And I feel like the golf gods are smiling upon me, just wanted me to beat Jacob that day because I mean, you know, who, who doesn't want who who doesn't want the golf gods <laughs> to let someone beat Jacob? So there you go. Um, well, so you said you, you got a girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and then how long have you guys been together now? Um, right at about four years. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, any pets, dogs, cats? Yeah, we have a two-month-old chocolate lab. So when I'm not playing golf, a lot of the time is spent with that pup. I, I love that little thing. Take her on hikes, take her to the park, go for walks. That's awesome. Yeah, she's the best. She, I mean, pretty well-behaved for a pup? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, labs are cool, though. I mean, that's... that's yeah, that's, yeah, she's that's, a good girl. That's a great dog to have. Are you going to plan on making her into a golf dog? I don't know if she has the attention span for it, um, nor do I know if I have a place to train her on that. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I would say Pine Oaks probably isn't your best option to, no, to just, no. just roll out there and test out this theory. So that's fine. I'm sure she would go crazy, but yeah, she'd yeah. probably love it. Let's go ahead and jump into our main interview with Mike and see where this kind of takes us. So, Mike, first year uh, member of the Dudes this year. Tell me and our listeners why you. Like how you got to join the dudes and why you're interested, and I guess in the now you're on this podcast. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, basically ever since I graduated high school, I've been someone that's enjoyed moving around. Like I feel like, yeah, like me and Jenna joke that every like three or four years, like I just get the itch. Like I'm ready to get up and like move yeah. somewhere else. Um, and the one constant, you know, this is the fourth place that I've lived in my adult life. And one constant that's always been there has been golf. So I feel like golf has almost like empowered me to like, um, you know, move to a new place and dive in head first and know that I'm going to be able to link up with a group of like-minded people no matter where I go, yep. because golf is just so, um, you know, it's, it's everywhere. It, yes. it is. It, I think it's great. You You can find a lot of people that you like that play golf. Yeah. Like, especially if you're a golfer, like it's it's similar type people. Yeah. So even like moving down here and, um, like right off the bat, like, you know, I moved down here for my girlfriend's job. Um, so I was able to leak up with a couple of people that she works with that are all golfers, had a great time with them. And then, um, she actually saw, I think a dudes of hazard Instagram sponsored content, something or another, and actually like Mm -hmm. sent it to me and said like, why don't you reach out to these guys? So, um, I think I DM'd yeah. what ultimately being you, it was yeah. just the dudes of hazard, yep. just general account. And, um, two or three weeks later I was 
down in Springdale with you guys. Like yeah. it all happened, how it all happened super, super fast. That was very fast. I remember we were looking for a spot to fill. You had just joined and it's like, Hey, do you guys have any upcoming events? I'm like, actually, yeah, I do in like two weeks. And you're like, perfect. Yeah. Oh, Wow, that was easy. Like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, always trying to play. Yeah, no, that's great. Because, you know, we definitely got some guys that are super active. Some guys that don't show up to as much. But it was nice seeing, like, we got you, and then, like, right away, you're like, where are we playing at? Yeah. And I said, it's pretty cool, too, that, like, not only did you just, you just didn't come to an outing. Like, you went on a weekend tournament with yeah, us, yeah. not knowing anyone. I mean, had you, did you meet anyone before you actually went on? No. That tr- so, yeah, it was, like, Spring blind Dale, showing up. Correct. Drove people down there probably, by myself. People didn't probably know like, who's this Mike Mattis guy? Like, yeah. not even know what they're looking for. That's, damn. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, like I said, like, it's kind of in my nature to move around a lot. And, yeah. Um, because of that, I've had to, you know, just reach out and make friends from scratch everywhere I've been. So I'm pretty, like, accustomed to that. So if you want to, you know, get involved with an organization or a group of guys that you like, you got to you gotta just go for it. You do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you sitting around in, in the shadows isn't going to – I mean, no. there's too many people out there for – like, we try to reach out to people that seem like they might be interested, but there's there's a lot of those people. So, yeah, I mean, reach out to us. We're, we definitely are always looking for awesome guys like Mike that want to come out and play with us. Um, so um, let's talk a little bit more, actually, about that Springdale trip. So sure. that, that was your first thing with us. So tell us, like, some of your favorite memories or just what you took away from that trip as a whole. Yeah, I guess, like, the one – I feel like I have trouble, like, grasping onto, like, specific memories during periods of time, even though it was, like, pretty recent. I guess I have a pretty good grasp of the memory of that trip. But I guess what I remember the most is just, like, the, you know, the camaraderie and just, like, immediately, like, feeling welcome. Like, I met, like, Matt Westmoreland, like, the guy I ended up rooming with that weekend. Like, he was immediately welcoming. Yeah. You know, Corey, Alex. Like, everyone was super welcoming, super friendly. Like, you know, even Cor- though I've done it a couple times. Like, yeah. Like, coming to a new place and – not knowing anyone can be stressful, and it that is. was yeah immediately put my mind at ease. That's um, great, man. So I think I guess from like a emotional standpoint, like that's what I remember. But then other than that, I thought Springdale was a great place to host an event. You know, a little away from everything. Yeah. Um. You know, it really even though it was only what hour, hour and a half away yeah. from here, yeah. like it, it truly felt like we were in like another world and on an island for that weekend. And it, if you was, blindfolded someone, you, I mean, you could tell them they were anywhere. Yeah. Like you're in these mountains in such and such country on the other. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just buy it. There were, it was, it was almost in a weird way. It was nice not having options for like restaurants or DoorDash or like anything else. Like it it was very much an isolated experience, which kind of added to it, you know, not having cell phone service everywhere you go. Yeah. It it absolutely was. And I think that's one of the things I like about there is it it is so close, but I mean, you really are tucked away up there. Yeah. I mean, a town of like Crusoe or whatever it is. I mean, it's a town of like, 420 people it's yeah. like there's just no one there so a lot of pride uh, up there it's cool like even it, meeting some of the members and the people that, that lived awesome. on the on the property like even yeah even you know we were obviously there on like a trip and mm-hmm. there were clearly some like day-to-day players there that were um you know in their day in day out like that was their home course and even they were super welcoming like it was a great experience the staff there i know that's one of the things that people have said that when we've had the recap episode and when we've had people on and talked about it they said the staff there is just world class and I, I think that's one of the things like they just made you feel insanely welcome um not a bad place the uh, 19th hole to have some beers on after not the round all. either i mean that's 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 actually one of my more memorable little 19th hole setups because i mean everyone finished playing and we kind of just like piled onto that back porch and yeah it was great kind of just took it over we were like, this is just going to kind of be ours for the next couple hours. Um, we we definitely brought them some business that night. Yeah. So and I don't know if this even got enough use, but I, I had a great time on that little like putt putt course on their like practice green. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that how it was like set up. Oh, it was it insane. Was, it was. I think that was underutilized for our trip. I feel like next time back we got to spend a little more time on that putting green. I think so too. That's a cool little setup, and I think they were building like a little fire pit area around over there to the side as well. I mean, there's just there was too much good to use up there. I mean, and even the tree houses, uh, the lodging was great. So, oh yeah, yeah, lodging was was perfect. It's, it was like one of those. It's a perfect balance of like quality, like price, like that was a great like hardcore dudes golf trip. Like yeah. there, there's there's golf trips that you go on where it's like oh like you play like eighteen or nine a day and then you want to go into town and like have a drink. Yeah. But I feel like Springdale was a perfect location where it's like if you want to go there you know, pay a good price for it. The facility has everything you need, nothing you don't, good food, yeah. soft bed to sleep on. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I definitely, definitely serves its serves its purpose. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Still talking about some courses, but favorite course you've played and why? That's tough to say, like favorite course. Because I, I feel like I've played 
like I was saying earlier, I've played a lot in my youth. So I got to play a lot of great golf courses when I was, um, when I was younger and I don't, didn't necessarily have the same, like, you don't have the same appreciation for like golf course design. I mean, like, I guess when you're younger and you've played a bunch of golf, like you can like, you can respect the conditioning of like any golf course, yes. but as far as like appreciating like the design and the thought that went into everything, um, I feel like it's tough to say. Um, I guess for like a day in day out course, um, the golf club I was a member at up in Indianapolis called Broadmoor. I got to give a shout out up to them. I've, mm -hmm. That's been absolutely one of the greatest golf courses I've ever played. Shout Loved out to it. shout out to James Gilbert and the whole staff up there. They really do a great job. It's um it's a 1922 Donald Ross. I believe, don't quote me on any of this, but I think the handicap on it's like a 76 handicap and there's one creek that comes into play on one hole. So it's not the kind of course that beats you up by like losing balls. Um, it's like a Parkland style. So even if you hit a slice or a hook, like yeah, unless, you're you're at, find um, it. unless you're at the edge of the property where, you know, neighborhoods or roads or whatever's yeah. around you, you know, you pretty much find every ball. I think last summer I went through three dozen balls the entire summer. Well, guys, you hear that. And you're like, oh, that's not bad. Mike's a better golfer than you. That's listening. To <laughs> well, so no, you, you would you would have lost a couple more than that. that but, like, listening, no, but, but, yeah. but I guess like the point is that like you don't lose a lot of balls yeah. out there. It just beats you up in other ways. And yeah. even like the tee shots aren't even that tough. Like mm -hmm. I really enjoy golf courses that make you think. Yeah. Um and I think that I think Broadmoor definitely like hits that on the nose. Excellent. Where it's a big second shot golf course where just because you hit a good tee shot, like that that hole's not done for you. Like some of the greens out there are um, you know, they're elephant graveyards, as I like to say, just big, big mounds yep. everywhere. And then, you know, there's certain holes out there where, you know, Donald Ross kind of like lulls you to sleep a little bit where you're expecting all these extreme breaks. And then the eighth hole hits you and the green's totally flat. So it's like, and you're it's, like, it's whoa, a, you completely over or underread it. Yeah. 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 You underread. Yeah. You underread that one. And then yeah. just the variety out there is really great. And I know I'm definitely biased because I played there day in, day out, but that one was fantastic. But um, I guess of like the, um, the super, like the ultra high end courses that I've played to stand out to me in recent memory. One is um, Crooked Stick, also in Carmel, Indiana. Mm. Um, that course has its notoriety from John Daly winning the 1991 PGA there. Um, it's a Pete Dye design. And just like the most Pete Dye you could ever want to see, like the <laughs> little tiny bunkers, like railroad ties everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, super tough to find a flat, you know, just because you hit the fairway doesn't mean you have like a nice flat, even yeah. lie. Um, it's you funny know. you say that real quick. Cause like, I've never played a Pete Dye course, but I know exactly what a Pete Dye course looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you, if you've looked at any of his stuff, any of his work, you're just like, ah, uh. I mean, I feel like what whistling straights is a great example. Yeah. Whistling um, straights, Seminole. Yeah. Sawgrass. Yeah. There's a lot that he's done. Um, we talked about it on our last podcast, but Sorry, seven with Donald Ross. Got to correct myself there. Uh oh, can't be making mistakes on here. The yeah. dudes have the dudes have never been wrong about anything uh, regarding golf, so you got to hold us to that. Um, but the Virginia Tech uh, River Course just up the road—that's uh, a Pete Dye one. Um, I I really okay. want to get up there and play that one. It looks like it's a two-hour drive. Looks pretty tough right oh, on you the river. That. Yeah, and I think that'd be a lot of fun. I, I've been honestly, I've been trying to get up there for like a year and a half, and like I I just haven't done it. I don't know. Last time I was up that way, I was going to go. Then, like, last minute, I decided to go to Primlin. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh. Fair enough. Yeah, I was like, oh, sorry. Like, I want to go, but yeah. there was an opportunity to play Primlin. They had the tea time at the time I needed, and I was like, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. Go there and got a decisions but, need to be made sometimes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess just tell me a little bit more about Crooked Stick, though, jumping back into that. Like, just what else did you kind of really appreciate about that? Um, Just, like, even just, like, the history and the – picturesqueness of the entire golf course yeah. like it like um so when we were out there we were actually um unaccompanied guests um nice so someone my buddy fran up in indianapolis um his course was able to get us a tea time out there um without a member and up there whenever you go out without a member you have to take a caddy which is you're not always necessarily expecting that but um, it was a, a wonderful experience, like having it on him. So it was, it was a super cool experience, like going off like the second hole being like, you know, this is like Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts, like yeah, his house is on that property. Cool um, like Pete Dye, his, uh, he actually lived, I think it was either the 16th or the 17th hole, but his primary residence was on crooked stick. Um, and yeah, I, I guess just that whole like Pete Dye aesthetic. I love, I love those little like pothole bunkers everywhere. I like you know, the railroad ties. So if there's any like retaining walls up against like a Creek or a river, it's always yeah. like done up with railroad ties. Um, I think it's the sixth hole is their signature. Hole. It's like a par three 
bunch of railroad ties up the right side, like a red barn covered bridge going over the creek, like from where it yeah. is. Like, and I guess just like the surprise of just being like, I can't believe that this piece of property is just sitting down in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's just like crazy. It, it, it's a, you think of Indiana, it's this super flat cornfields yeah. everywhere, which for the northern like two thirds of Indiana is like correct. When you get into southern Indiana, you kind of start getting into those like Kentucky style, like yep. rolling, hills, rolling hills. But yeah. you're, like you're just walking around this, you're like, how the hell am I in? How am I in Indiana right now? Yeah. Um, and That's when you know there's a good course, when it can make you feel like it's it, like you're not where you're at. Like they, they've just done such a good job transplanting you and putting you somewhere new. And you're like, wow, this, yeah. this is this isn't Indiana. No. But it is. It is, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just in Carmel, Indiana, which is a great part of town. But it's just like a suburban Indiana. And you don't feel yeah. like you're – you feel like in a different world when you're on the property. And that was a really cool experience. Yeah. What are um, some other uh, courses, just like some notable ones you've played, maybe that some guys might recognize the name of that? Uh, maybe they're not your favorite, but you were like, damn, that was a that was a great experience. Or Yeah. Um, so some that some names that people will be familiar with, a lot of the stuff I played with, like I played on, like while I was in high school, before I really like appreciated the courses that I was playing at. Um, so I may not be able to draw like too many specific memories because all these courses I've only played like once or twice. Yeah. Um, but um, Atlanta Athletic Club, um, that's where Keegan Bradley won his PGA championship. David Toms won a PGA championship out there. I think they hosted another PGA championship in a U.S. Open. So I think there's been four majors held out there. Well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so I got to play that on a high school event um, down in South Florida. My uncle was able to get us on um, the medalist, which is kind of where like Tiger Woods and I think Bubba Watson, and, you know, it's a, Greg Norman built the course. Jupiter? Uh, Hope Sound, so Hope just Sound. Uh, just a touch north of Jupiter. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a like lot of the Jupiter Gulf, guys. Mecca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the PGA guys, they they definitely yeah. frequent that area. Yeah, they frequent that area. So it doesn't have a Jupiter address, but it's in it's in that realm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my whole mom's side of the family is from North Palm Beach, so that's very convenient to those types of golf courses. So I got to play For there. Sure. Um, I played PGA National. Um. Again, these were kind of like all in my youth, so I don't have like great recollections of like specifics of it. Um. More recently, I played um, Harbor Shores. I know you recently did not too long ago did a Michigan trip where yeah. you went to like Arcadia. Yeah, yeah we yeah. Do, tell me about that. I think that'd be yeah. I think that's great. I I want to get back up to that area, of Michigan. Yeah. So I've never done the Arcadia thing, and I the pictures look beautiful. I'd never been up there, but it. But from this is when I was living in Indianapolis. Um, so Harbor Shores is actually in Benton Harbor, Michigan, which is a little south of Arcadia. I think Arcadia is like a six or seven hour drive from Indianapolis, where Benton Harbor is like a three and a half four so for a weekend trip that oh that's doable that two or three yeah. hours like makes a big that two or three hours makes a big difference in um like making or breaking your weekend but that is a that one was a jack nicholas signature design um and that was a really cool course um because there's like three sections of it i'm drawing a blank off it off the top of my head but it's like one part you kind of feel like you're almost in like a lowland, like you start off, you're kind of in like a lowland, like swampy type area, which sounds weird for Michigan, but I guess there's just so much water there that you can kind of get those like water features yeah. in. Um, and then you're like playing along the lake for the middle part of the golf course. And on the backside, you come back through and it's like you're playing in the woods. So it's like you're playing in like three different environments in like one golf course. Damn. Um, so in the Midwest, that's probably one of the more favorite courses that I've played. It, it's public too. Like anyone can get out and yeah. play there. We just did like a guys weekend up yep. there. Um, we played two other courses, but that one was definitely the, um, the signature one. That was, that was the one that we went up there to play. Um, I think they play a, it's either, it's a, some sort of senior event. I can't remember if it's like the PGA or the senior U S open, but one of those courses is yeah. one of those events is played up there. Um, and I played a green, uh, some of you guys may know about the video of like, I think it's like Jack Nicholas and Gary player. And there's like this big extreme green that they're putting on. You have to almost put like straight uphill to it. And I think Gary players like, there's no way anyone can make this putt. And Jack Nicholas like throws down a ball and like puts it. It goes right in from like 70 feet away. I no exaggeration. It's the most extreme green I've ever played on. It must've been like 25 feet of almost like a vertical face running up to the top shelf of the green. If you haven't seen the video, I recommend looking into it. It's it's that sounds like some Mike pretty Strand classic. stuff right there. Yeah, like, just like absolutely wild greens. Yeah, just for just for the sake of the wild for the sake of being wild. Yeah, I feel like Jack Nicklaus. Some of his later designs kind of like take that. I've played North Palm, like down where my mom's from, and um, he did something like very similar there. Like a lot of extreme greens there. So yeah, that was a super cool experience. That's awesome. Um, 
if I threw together an Arcadia, like a, you know, I'm not saying we'd be holding a tournament up there or anything, but yeah. like if we did just like a little side dudes trip, is that something you would be interested in? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just for the convenience, like I have people in the Midwest now too. Like I still go back there and yeah. play golf as like much as I can. Yeah. That's great. I think that'd be, a, I honestly would love to do, I mean, it's tough being married, not trying to be away that long, but like sometimes when you go on these golf trips, it's nice to like really get away get immersed when i was up at um arcadia i think i flew in on like a friday left on a monday so it was it was nice actually having like two whole days that were just golf um actually i think i went on a thursday and a monday and i think that's why it was actually really nice getting to do it that way you play a lot of golf in two or three days you can you you really can but next time i go i would love to hit arcadia up and actually it was tough i Wanted to go for a longer trip and it didn't work out, but up in, um, honestly, the, the Harbor Shores, I had looked yeah. at maybe like getting down there for a day or two. Sure. And then there's another one that's up in northern Michigan. It's I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about. The course can be played backwards and forth. Oh, it's I'm like, not familiar with that. Yeah, it, it's actually like a they have three courses there and they're all top 100 courses. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's about the same distance drive as the Harbor Shores from Arcadia as the other place. You just got to go the other way. You got to go north instead of south. Uh, Almost east. East. East cutting across. And so it just didn't work out, but I want to get back up there and play so bad because Arcadia was just, I mean, that that was an absolutely breathtaking. It's beautiful in the summer. Lake Michigan doesn't get its credit for how fantastic that part of the country is, but it's that good for like, Three months out. Yep. Of yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you go up there in January, February, probably not going to enjoy your time as much. Oh, you go up in May, and you're not yeah. going to hit your well, – you better bring your jacket. So we went like, on July 4th weekend. Oh, perfect. It was incredible. The sun was up at, like, 6.05 in the morning. It stayed up until, like, 10.20, 10.30 at night. Like, yeah, like, it's we, great. We we put an evening round teen off at 5.20. You got 18 in. And we got 18 in. And it's, like, a little slow play out there, especially starting at 5.20. It was like 10, 15 coming off the green on 18, but Perfect. we were like, there's still another group and a half that finished behind us. I believe it. Yeah. yeah it, like it, that was one of the best golf aspects of living in Indiana was that it, Indianapolis is the westernmost city in the Eastern time zone. Money. That's, so, that's where the live yeah, at right there. Yeah. You can, you can track a golf ball at 945, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. You, you it, get, it's you hard to beat that during the summer. Time. No, you can't beat it. You cannot. Those are some great courses you've played. I mean, truly some pr- pretty awesome places, um, and I'm sure you got a lot more lined up over, over the future. Hopefully quite a few of them are with the dudes, or at least some of our, our guys. But uh, what are some of the most important like features and aspects of a golf course that you look for that makes it, in your mind, be like, man, this is special, this is unique, I really appreciate this? Yeah. So I guess in I played a number of like you know good golf courses in my day, um, and I feel like I can kind of like – break them into like there's like great courses and then there's like night nice courses Mm -hmm. like in my mind i know there's i'm sure people can get more in the weeds about conditioning than i could but once it's like a certain level of like quality of the grass it's all the same yeah it can get a little like negligible about the quality but what i really like is i like a golf course that like makes me think um and what i mean by that is there's a lot of golf courses where there's a lot of like driver wedge golf courses out there where it's like, you know, they could be in the most immaculate shape that you could possibly imagine for a golf course. But, you know, if you're just like hitting, you know, driver pitching wedge around the entire golf course, making two putts and keeping it moving, like, you know, that's not like a super stimulating um, round of golf for me. I, I, I would say for me, that'd be excellent. I would love to go driver <laughs> pitching wedge two putt all day because uh, that'd, that'd be a blast. Yeah, I mean, like or whatever, like driver one fifty. Yeah, you know, yeah, like there's yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, there, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of holes out there that are kind of like straightforward. There so, are. you know, there's nothing more that I like about a hole than walking up to it with like three clubs in my hand. <laughs> like you leave the card, you see the tee box like off to your left, That's and awesome. you see the fairway or green down there, and you're like, I have no clue what I'm going to hit, so I might as well like bring my whole bag with me. Yeah. So I really like holes like that. Um, and you know a course that has as many of those types of holes as possible yeah. where you're not like oh this is a 400 and whatever yard hole and i'm not necessarily just gonna like hit a driver and try to like hit a wedge closer like i, I like having to like to think a little about you know the, the shot you want to take and even like thinking back to this past weekend um with like brad ian and sam where it was like whatever that par five at blackthorn where they have like the the creek kind of like bifurcating the two fairways. Oh, on the par that is five. such a good hole. Yeah, like we, like I sat up there and I felt yeah. like I was like chewing their ear off because I just wanted to like keep talking about the hole and the different options for the play yeah. and you know how my 
you know, particular golf swing like fits into that because as someone that hits a draw, like that hole doesn't really like super like set up for it. So, you know, any hole, like the more that like I'm talking to the people that I'm playing with on the I, tee box I about the man. hole yeah, and like what the thought, like, so what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? And then you can kind of like take everyone's opinions and like put them into your own brain and like come up with like the shot that yeah. like suits your game the best. So like the more conversations like that, that I can have on a golf course, the better that I think the golf course is. I think that is a great point. I, I definitely love just like the bullshitting along on the round, but it is fun when people are really like, I'm, 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 and maybe not just I'm hitting seven or I'm hitting eight, like, but actual like, well, I mean, yeah, I think I got to get this out yeah. to the right. And, and I mean, at our skill level as amateur golfers, you can think you're going to do one thing and probably do something entirely different, but it is fun to actually think about like, what would be the ideal way to play this hole yeah, or this course? It's fun. It's, I mean, that's why you play, right? Yeah. And even for the amateur golfer, it's like, you can't go into a shot. Like, yeah, like the shot that I'm thinking I'm going to hit, I'm probably not going to hit like, you know, a large percentage of the time, but just, you know, even just like the conversation around that, um, you know, and just like engaging your brain and like thinking yeah. about what you're doing, you know, you can't walk up to a golf shot thinking you're going to hit a bad shot no, because if, if you think you're going to hit a bad shot, you're probably right. And if you think you're going to hit a good shot, you might be right, but if yeah. you think it's going to be bad, it's definitely going to be bad. That is a hundred percent the way I'll play. Like I'm like, okay, like I can envision like what the good shot looks like. And I, and I, I hope I hit this and I'm like, I'm going to try my absolute damnedest. But like, I've always caught myself whenever I walk up to a spot and I'm like, oh, the hell to do here Shit, yeah i'm gonna hit well guess what i do i, I don't i don't pure it and no. stripe it right next to the pin that doesn't have, that's not the option you gotta have some sort of thought you, in your you head. have to have something and you just hope you pull it off as close as you can right i mean like you're like okay it wasn't what i drew up but it still played out fine no yeah so, there's there's no pictures on the scorecard there's not i thank god <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad there's there's not uh you know the dudes will throw up some videos on our instagram but thankfully i'm the one filming most of the time yeah, so i don't yeah. have to be the victim of my beautiful swing for the lack of a better <laughs> word um no i think that's great so like what are some features you you do like in the game like what do, do you like seeing bunkering at certain spots do you like seeing like slope fairways uneven lies that make you kind of pre present maybe a little more challenges what are some of those obstacles that you like to see i like obstacles around the green yeah. especially as i become you know increase my experience in golf like i'm not overly scared of rough i'm not overly scared of bunkers but you know, most of the time, if it's off the tee, I'm like, oh, if I hit in that bunker, you know, I'm hitting a driver. It's probably not going to be a plugged lie, like club up, try to hit it thin. Like, I'm not really like that worried about yeah. like those types of hazards. But what really like makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck is, you know, when, when you get around the green, you're like, oh, shit, there's like a lake short right, bunker short mm, left. And yeah. then, you know, the back of the green like falls straight off. It's like, man, like I really got to hit this green or I'm going to have to do something that I – don't that's, really want to do. That's uh, maybe not in your strong point, as you mentioned no, earlier, exactly. the short game. But yeah, like, you're like, I got to get on the screen. Yeah, yeah, or get at least in a place where I can like hit a good shot. Yeah, or put a good uh, neck shot on it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what really like, you know, that's what that's what makes me feel something on the golf course is when I have like an approach shot and there's really no bailout or not a not a great bailout. Yeah. What uh what introduced you to the game of golf? Like, what what got you involved in the sport? You said you played from a young age, but how'd that start? Yeah, so I probably started playing. I mean, I've been hitting golf balls as long as I can remember. Um, my grandfather on my mom's side was actually on both sides. They were big golfers, but particularly on my mom's side, I, uh, I, you know, played a lot with him when I was younger. Um, and then when I was probably like twelve or thirteen, like you know, sixth, seventh grade, um, you know, my parents were able to get a um, get us a membership out at a club and that was kind of at a time in my life where it's at that age where, you know, you're, you don't, you're a little too old for like a babysitter, but don't really like, you know, can't really get yourself around. Like when you have a car, um, you know, so at like at that juncture in my life, like it was kind of like, you know, my parents would, um, you know, drop me off at the golf course on their way to work. And then one of them would pick me up from the golf course on their way home from work. So, um, you know, through like you know, middle school into like early high school, like I just spent like a ton of time at the golf course. Like, you know, I wasn't, you know, don't think I was like dialed in, like practicing. Like I was, you know, being a kid, like I had friends out there, yeah. you know, we'd go eat chicken nuggets and yeah. go to the pool and go hit tennis balls and, you know, mess around in the driving range. Yeah. Um, so I guess that was kind of like the, the foundation of me um, playing golf. And then when I was in college, I, you know, put it down for a few years, you know, just drinking beers with the buddies. Um, Easy you know, to do. 
Yeah, didn't have any money. Couldn't you know? There's no, there's no way to like. Didn't really have access to a golf course. It's until... so funny when you say that because there's a lot of people that it's really easy to go out and play golf all the time when you're young and you're on the parents' uh, like country club membership or whatever. But when you actually are the one in college having to fork over all the green fees yourself, it's a little like, oh, okay, this yeah. adds up. <laughs> and all credit to Georgia Southern. They they was they bought a golf course probably right when I got there, but it was so dilapidated. Like it was you could. I remember even like driving by it like my freshman or sophomore year, and you could kind of see that it was at one time this place was a golf course, but like it was just overgrown, like waist high grass everywhere, and just see that like kind of turn into a golf course. And then once it did turn into a golf course when I was there, it was seven dollars for students to play. Okay, that's so not, that's free. That was yeah, it's basically free. That's so, basically free. So my junior year of college is kind of when the Georgia Southern Golf Course opened back up, and that's when I was, I guess that fire was reignited. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, Mike, you're a pretty good player. You've heard us, uh, those listening mentioned on a couple of times, we're not saying any scratch, but like you're probably what a low to mid single digit yeah. player roughly. I mean, so, somewhere in that ballpark. So right at a five right now. Yeah. So you definitely um, have an idea of what you're doing. Yeah. For players like me that sit around that 11 to 13, 14 range a lot, what, what are some tips you have for me or some areas I could try to focus on to maybe try to get into that eight, nine range instead? Yeah. Um, so obviously I'm not a golf professional. Um, and I feel like the cop out answer to say like work on your short game, because that's where most of your like strokes are made up. And that's where, um, you know, people like to say, if you want to go low, that's where you need to work on your game. Um, to give a little like variety to that answer, which I think, you know, working on the short game is always a good idea, but I feel like when I felt like I was a good golfer and when I really felt my handicap getting into the single digits and staying in the single digits is when I wasn't necessarily like scared of any shot. Okay. And what I mean by that is not necessarily like, you know, anyone can go on the driving range, hit off a nice flat lie and hit irons and drivers and hit them straight, hit them relatively in the direction of the target that you're hitting on. Yeah. But when I felt like I got better is when I started being like in the woods or in the sand or having uneven lies or in like thick rough and having like a sense of, you know, the feeling that like I knew what I was doing in those situations. Like, you know, I know how to hit a punch shot. I know how to hit a flop shot. I know how to put a, you know, a little draw on the ball, a little fade on the ball if I need to, whether I execute it is a whole different thing. But like, but like, I understand, like, I understand what needs to happen to make, I don't want to say all the shots, but like the vast majority of the shots happen. Cause yeah. where, when I see people that are like, not necessarily like super high handicaps, but a l- the people that are like a little bit higher handicapped than me, I see them, you know, spending a lot of times in bunkers, spending a lot of time, you, you know, and when I say a lot of time in the bunkers, like not getting it out on the first shot or blading yeah. it or, yeah. or it not going, like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not, I'm not saying I'm sticking sand, you know, sticking balls out of the sand till three feet every time, but like, I'm pretty confident in my ability to get the ball out of the sand. I'm pretty confident in my ability to get my ball out of the woods. Yeah. I'm pretty confident in my ability to go over or under a tree, depending on what the situation asks for. So, um, that's I guess something not- I know I'm not confident in. I'm listening to some of these. I'm like, okay, I'm decent out of the bunkers. I, I can pretty much get out of trouble from the woods or from the rough when I need to, but the height, I, I don't have yeah. great trajectory control. Yeah, I remember like, that we were at a Warriors not too long ago playing with um, Jacob and Josh. Yeah. There's, there's that one where you can kind of drive the green, but there's that tree kind of off to the right side. You remember that? Yes. Yeah, you're like, what do you do? And I dropped the ball, like flopped it over, and it's like, that's what you got to do. You know, but like, you have to like. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I tried to do that, and, and, and it didn't execute yeah. like we wanted. What is that, part like five? Yeah, is that really downhill? Early. Yeah, downhill. Yeah. It's like after that. it was super foggy on that par three going oh, uphill. Yeah, where you, we, where we like, couldn't see the pin. Even no. our rangefinders were hitting the fog. And yeah, it was, it was like seven and a half yards. Ahead yeah, of you. And we're like, okay, that's that's not the right club. <laughs> no, like, I don't know what club you have in the bag for that, but that's not the one. Yeah, yeah, that's funny you say that. Um, cool. So maybe that's something I need to do. Work on maybe work on those type of shots a little bit. Yeah. Those ones, yeah, you're just not as much comfortable with. Because you're always going to be in trouble. It's like how you yeah. recover from the trouble. If you're comp, like everyone is fairly confident, not everyone, but like standing over the tee, you know, standing on the tee, standing over the ball, like the possibilities are endless. Like it's a new hole, you know, anything could happen. But it's like yeah. what happens from there? Like how, like what sort of ability do you have to like recover from a not so great shot yeah. do you have? And I feel like th- when I, had the confidence to go after those kind of balls is when I felt like my game get to that consistent single, 
single digit handicap. Yeah, because like I mean, I would you'd probably agree with this. It's, it's maybe not picking up the more birdies, but like no doubles, no triples, keeping no doubles. that stuff off the card. Like you, you just got to get out with the bogey, move on, yeah. find another day. I, I allow myself one double a day. If I have a triple or, or more than one double on the card, I'm that's that's it, it goes downhill fast. Because when you're talking about single digit handicap, you're talking about shooting an average of you know five, six, seven strokes over par, you yeah. know, you get a triple and a double, you know, that's really, three that's, of them right there. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, like, that's, wow. half, that's half your round. Yeah, and you're like, okay, well, better buckle down for the next 16 yeah. holes on that one. Well, that's good. Um, what are some small nuances of the game of golf that you appreciate? Not maybe just from a course architecture. What are just some things about the golf lifestyle, the game of golf? What, what are some things you appreciate? I mean, I think I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier today, but just the fact of having, like, a skill – in you know mine or anyone else's back pocket where you can just like you know walk on i i I just love that i can like confidently like go into like any group of golfers that i like happen to meet and i know that like you know you're not gonna like make a fool of myself i'm not gonna hold anyone back like you know it's it's just like the the ability it's just like you have just something right there that you know you can use to you know, kind of like wedge yourself, uh, wedge yourself, but you can like, you know, you can like make friends, you can like meet new people, like, you know, just like having the confidence of like being a good golfer, because like, you know, especially as you get older, you know, people play, you know, baseball, basketball, football growing up, but like all that stuff has like a, there's a time limit on it. There's a time limit on it. And, you know, yeah, like my, my grandfather, who was one that, you know, I played a lot of golf with in my youth, like he had his first hole in one at 86 years old and he played for 70 years before he had his first hole in one. I don't know uh, how you almost don't have your your first heart attack after that too. Because yeah. I mean, at eighty six, that's what I would have. <laughs> I that's know, what that's happened what to me. If I played for that long and finally picked it up, I mean, that might be it for me. Yeah, like I yeah. just like, well, I mean, here we go, boys. But yeah, just to have something that's like, I, I just love that it's like a lifetime sport. Like I, yeah. I play like tennis too, so I have that in another game to like a, a lesser extent. Like I'm not as good of a tennis player as I am a golfer. But you know, m- my favorite part about golf is you know, just coming out here and like meeting new friends. Like obviously like it's been a great time with like the dudes and meeting people down here. But you know, when I moved to Indianapolis in 2018, like I didn't know a single person that lived in the state of Indiana when I moved there, but I was just like walking out of my front, the front door of the house I was living at the time in Indiana, had a golf bag on my back. I had a Beth page black shirt mm-hmm. wearing and my next door neighbor comes out and he goes, you know, what's that shirt that you're wearing right there? And I'm like, yeah. it's Beth page. He's like, all right. And I'm like, all right. And to, and to yep. this day, like, you know, five years later, like me and Fran, like we're, you know, he's one of my best friends to this date. And it all just like started because he just saw that I was wearing a logo of a golf course on it. Isn't it? I, I mean, I, you know, maybe football has that, like if someone's wearing your same team, but there's not a whole other things in life that where like, you know, nothing yeah. about the guy, but oh, you play golf. We, we can find something to talk about. Yeah. And I feel like even with like college sports, there's, I mean, there's definitely a variety of people that are like golfers, but you know, like, college sports fans it could be that just means you're from like the same like geographic area for the most part where golf is you know worldwide you know you could connect with someone that doesn't even speak the same language as you absolutely because you're wearing a golf logo on your shirt yeah that's pretty cool um so you mentioned beth page um how many times you played up there twice what did you think of it toughest people build out to be um it so that place so when I played Crooked Stick, I didn't walk it, but I've walked Beth because there's no carts on Beth Page Black. There's yeah. carts at Beth Page for the other like four or five. Red or what? Yeah, oh, there's okay. red, green, blue, okay. yellow. I thought there was only like two or three. I didn't know. No, there's like four or five wow. other golf courses. Wow. Yeah. Even like the I, I was even when I went there, I was like surprised because like the driving range, it was like 220 yards to the back of it. And I was like, there's no way the pros like warm up on this 220 yard range. You're like, no, we shut down three other golf courses, shave down their fairways. And that's the driving range that the pros warm up on when they play there. Wow. Um, but yeah, Beth page and Atlanta athletic club are the two golf courses that I've played where like, you feel like you've been in a fist fight when you've like walked off that golf course. Sure. Since 2018, I've shot in the nineties one time and it was Beth page black. I shot a 90. That okay. course is brutal. But it's not brutal in the way that you think it's going to be brutal. Yeah, how it is, how is it so tough? It is long, and the rough is nothing to be trifled with even in the offseason. The greens are huge, and they're relatively flat. They're quick, and they're true. Like, they're, mm-hmm. you know, the, what you expect yeah. in, like, a high-end golf course. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be like a, a – the greens are probably, you know, somewhere between a 12 and 13 on any yeah. given day. Okay. Um, 
but just getting to the green on that golf course is something crazy. And I, I and like, so my girlfriend's from long Island. So that's how I've played out there. Like her dad's been able to get us on. Yeah. He it's a public course. So there's definitely like tick tips and tricks for people that are. I've heard the stories of people like staying in the car and yeah. like, yeah. So tea times start at, I think the way it works is tea times technically start at 8am, but there's literally like parking spaces in front of the, like on at part of the parking lot where it's like one, two, three, four, five, they're, they're numbered. And whenever you get in that parking space, that's what your tea time is. So the first tea time is technically at 8 a.m., but they start letting people off at like 6.30, like depending on the time of year. So Damn. the people in the parking spaces are the ones that are going to be the first ones off before the actual booked tea times wow. go Wow, okay. So that's where that comes from. I've never done anything like that. That'd be um, like I'm not signing up to do that all the time, but that'd be kind of cool to do once. Like just like Yeah, until you're sitting in a parking lot well, in Bethpage, New York at 2 o'clock in the morning sleeping in your car. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. Hindsight, um, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was like a super cool experience. Like it was like, the, that's the only course I've ever played where like, obviously there's every course you have, there's like different like tee boxes for different skill levels. Mm-hmm. But at Bethpage, there really aren't a ton of tee boxes. It's like, there's three and there's like, there's no like ladies or senior tees. It's basically like a white, like a blue, which would be the tips. And then you look like 150 yards behind you and over your shoulder. And you're like, that's where the pros play from. That's and you're gross. like, and you're like, this is a par four and you have to carry the ball 280 yards to get it over this bunker or else you're going to, if you, or if you play it after the right or play it short of that bunker, you're going to have a 230 yard shot in. So it's the only, like, mm, I know a lot of guys brutal. have like played with me on here. Like I'm, I'm like a pretty long hitter, but that's like one of the, if not the only course that had ever like given me pause about like laying up on something. Cause I'm normally like not someone that's, you know, if I can, yeah, you're going to go for if, it. If I can go there, I'm going to go for it. But, yeah. but Beth Page is, is that place is, that place is something else to make it as challenging as it is and still have the greens not be that challenging. Like if I was, if I were to say there's one thing that was the most surprising about Beth Page Black, it was how easy the greens were. Imagine the greens if they are made not those tough. tough. It would be, it would be impossible. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to even want to go out there. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, I'm, I'm done with this. You're like, all right, it took me five shots to get to this green. I don't want to putt four more times now that I'm You're here. Like, Gross. <laughs> Damn. That's, that's pretty tough. Well, that kind of wraps up our main interview with Mike. So for today on Hazard's Time, we have Ian Heron, who's been on here a couple times. He's been on here as a guest. He's called in. Um, he's also hosted an episode in my absence. So uh, I think, Mike, you mentioned the last time that you were on or called in. It was I think it was Ian's. It was, yeah, yeah. I definitely talked to Ian. I, this is my first time on with you, Donnie. So now we've flipped. Ian was in the studio, and you were calling in. Now it's vice versa. So Sure. All right. Uh, Ian, why don't you go ahead and uh, start us off with our hazards time? Uh, and I'd like, to, I'm curious to see what questions you have for uh, me and Mike today. Um, well, well, just, hey, boys. Um, <laughs> if I was going to ask a few questions, let's see. Um, first, um, Mike, you've been with us here, I don't know, a couple, couple weeks now. When did you, when was the, the Springdale trip? That doesn't count as a question, by the way. I guess that what was that May. <laughs> May May is the month that's jumping out at me, but I don't. What, what don't, trip, don't hold me to that. What trip was that? Was the, the match, match play? That was July. It was July eighth to July. The 10th. Oh wow, yeah. was that late? Yeah. So Ian thinks that was a couple weeks ago. You know, life's hitting you fast. <laughs> yeah. I don't, when you're referencing something that's like four and a half months ago, and he's oh, like, I think it was a couple weeks ago. Have you a few kids, boys, and you'll see how time changes. <laughs> I'm good I'm, right I'm now. I'm good. Yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after uh, after joining, and you know, been a few months since the summer. Um, I just want to know kind of Mike's thoughts on the league and how he's enjoyed it, and who he's got to play with, and just stuff like that. Yeah, I mean the the league's been great. Me and Donnie touched on that a little bit earlier. Um, but yeah, just talking about how like welcoming all the dudes have been. Um, you know, you know, beyond just like the events that we played just like week in, week out, like the chat's like super active. Like I love being able to link up and, um, you know, get games with everyone. Um, like Austin Green's been great. Jacob's been great. Donnie, you, Brad, you know, I've got, I feel like I've gotten to, you know, the Bylers. Like I feel like, you know, week in, week out, I have absolutely no qualms with reaching out to any of you guys to see who wants to play. So, you know, I'm really grateful and appreciate that, that aspect of the dudes. I mean, I was, Donnie. I would second that for him. Just like, 
I mean, he's he's the type of guy that we brought into the league a little later on. But uh, you know, if you hear that Mattis is in your group and you're pairing for the event we got going on this weekend, we don't have anyone complaining or bitching about that. I mean, he's he's been a joy to play with. So I'm, I'm glad to have you, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Ian? Yeah, he's a fun guy to play with for sure. He can hit the shit out of the ball too. Yeah, um, he do what I can. <laughs> yeah, he can smoke it. Um, Donnie, remind me the rules of hazards time. How many questions do I get? Uh, you know, two or three each. Whatever Couple. you come up with, yeah. All right, all right. I can slam these together into one. Okay, Mattis, number one, or I guess two. Um, have you been able to hang out with anybody outside of golf? Any? You doing anything outside of the golf course with any league members? And number three, my final question, event you're looking forward to most for next year? I guess we'll address the uh, the looking forward to next year. I guess I'm probably not up to date on the calendars. I should be, so I don't really know what exactly is upcoming next year, but I'm sure I'll play at a few events. Um, and also, unfortunately, I haven't really been able to hang out with anyone outside of work other than me and Jacob grabbing a few beers after a round one time. Um, that counts. That counts. Yeah, so I'll take that. So that was a good time. Um, but yeah, admittedly, I've had some like family stuff come up, and um, with my um, work the way it is, I'm you know technically I work remote, but I am required to go into the office in Indianapolis once a month. So I kind of try to make a weekend out of those trips. So um, I haven't spent as much time on the weekends in Eastern Tennessee as I wish I would have at this juncture. Um, to really hang out with people outside of golf. Cause I know there's definitely like a difference between hanging out with someone on the golf course. You get to see like that side of their personality, but you know, you really build a friendship and get to know someone better when you see them, when they're around their friends, their families, their significant others. Um, so admittedly I haven't had the insight into that part of the dude's lives that I wish I would have, but I'm sure it'll happen up here pretty shortly. No, no rush oh, yeah. on that. We got, we got a long ways to go on this journey yeah, yeah. with the dude. So, uh, I mean, I look forward to getting to hang out a little bit more. I know we got a few things in common outside of golf. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, gentlemen, um, keep it up. Get after it, Mike. I'm sure I'll see you soon. Donnie, I know I'll see you soon. Yep. Yeah, but, before uh, you know it. I'm going to hop off here and uh, keep keep doing my, my dad thing this afternoon. But <laughs> don't have God, too much fun. Yeah, don't have too much fun yeah, with that. Right. Y'all have fun. Holler at me later, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll see y'all later. All right, Ian. Thanks for joining us, bud. Yeah, take it easy. All right, guys. Glad uh, Ian joined us for that hazards time. This has been an absolute blast. Mike, thanks for coming on today. Uh, this was a pleasure getting to have you on. You want to, any closing thoughts or words while uh, you still got the mic? Yeah, no, thanks. Appreciate you having me on, Donnie. Appreciate the beer. And um, I don't really have any social media myself, but uh, follow Tusculum Women's Lacrosse. And if you have the ability to donate to them, donate to them. Thanks, Mike. Our next episode is going to be episode 20 featuring PJ Greeno, the assistant superintendent at Macklemore. Uh, I think you guys are absolutely going to love what he has to share on his interview. And as always, dudes, keep it classy.